Welcome to the 11 Personnel Podcast, your favorite Rams podcast. I'm your host, Jordan Rodrigue, and this podcast is brought to you by DirecTV Stream. Get your TV together with the best of live and on demand. Learn more at directtv.com. And I am joined by my fabulous co-host, Rich Hammond. Rich, how we doing? Jordan. You like how I did that? Yeah, I, I do. I do. We're cool. Uh, we got hold- sponsors. We're cool. Yeah, we're 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 legit. Yeah, I mean, people actually care about us now. Yeah, it's, they want they want to sponsor. It's us. not just all of our beloved beloved listeners who That's send right. me inside jokes and are just so like I love when you guys send me inside jokes about our show. Like, and today of all days was like maybe the most niche our 11 personnel podcast episode of roster cutdowns that was possible because um, it was a lot of special teams action today. <laughs> there you go. There you go. Yeah. I mean, there's, there's, uh, you know, big news to talk about. Um, obviously uh, the Rams go, finishing 0 three in their blue pants. Um, I'm glad you brought is, that up. Yeah. Yeah. That's uh, obviously the, the topic of the day. And uh, I, I think people are actually going to, uh, you know, riot if, if they wear those things in the regular season. And uh, I'm not sure I disagree. I, uh, I think they should. I think they should, you know, boycott, protest if the, if the blue pants ever appear in the regular season. Let that be a warning. You wear blue pants and you do lose. So Yeah, maybe they just like tried to get, get them all out of the way because they have to wear every combo a certain amount of times to like justify the cost of the rebrand. So maybe they were just like, Oh my God, these were not good for us last year. We should just wear them in the preseason when it doesn't count. Right. It's like wearing clothes out to go gardening or something. Like you don't really care if they get holes in them. Yeah. So that, that must be the preseason mindset. So yeah, we'll, we'll see. We'll see whether that, whether or not they've learned their lesson, but of course, Jordan, of course, as we record here on a Tuesday evening, yes, uh, you are. I know, just coming down from from the ultimate high of of roster cutdown day. What's uh, what uh, you know? We go through the entire preseason for the entire training camp, even back to OTAs, is to get to the day when we finally know the Rams' fifty three man roster initial. 53-man roster, and I know, Jordan, you went to uh, pains to explain this on Twitter, that the roster that we see today is not the not necessarily and almost certainly not the one that we are going to see uh, against the Chicago Bears, but uh, the big moves were made today, some surprises, most of them not surprised. Jordan, you did an awesome job, by the way, on your roster projection. I didn't. I didn't run the numbers, so I, I'm not going to give your uh, your success percentage. But but I know that you did excellent in uh, nailing some of these uh, positions that were really hard to uh, predict. But what were your uh, takeaways? What what were you surprised about? Um, and and is there anything that you think uh, in particular over the next couple days? that might change uh, on this 53 man roster? Yeah, it's a good question. I, I just want to say like, I really dread this time of year. Um, you know, it, it, it is, I've, I've covered, this is my, I think it's sixth cut down day that I've covered and it does not get any less heartbreaking in terms of, um, just these guys work so hard. And Matthew Stafford had a great comment on this today. And I urge you guys to go listen to his press conference 
today if you haven't yet and he just had a really great comment about how much like we see the the product on the field and then if you're media like you also see the practice and you see the press conferences and you see all those things but you also don't see are the meetings and the hours spent um kind of just trying you know and and the effort of trying and it is it's such a hard thing um you know cut down stories are always so heartbreaking and this year kind of felt like a little more heartbreaking almost because these guys actually did get to spend a lot of time together. Um, unlike last year, they got to spend a lot of time together in the preseason and, and actually got to be in person around each other and develop friendships and bonds. And they got a lot of work in, um, with coaches in the spring and, and got to stick together kind of, whereas, um, last year it was sort of on zoom and, and you still develop bonds that way, but not, not even close to being similar. And, and so, that, that's just really hard. And, and like I walked into the facility this morning, media, we're now getting just like the players and the coaches, we're getting tested every seven days. So I walked in early this morning. Um, I thought since I knew that the Rams had finalized most of their cuts on um, Monday night, I thought that the drop would be early on uh, Tuesday morning. We'll get to why it wasn't here in a minute, um, which you if you're listening to this, you already probably can infer. But uh, I think. So I get I got to Thousand Oaks really, really early and I was coming out and I won't say who it was because it was a private, you know, it's just outside of the structured stuff. I'm not going to like tell, talk about like how guys act at the facility or whatever, because it's not, you know, it's a, it was a I was walking back from the testing area and um, a player was on the phone with his agent and having the agent talk him through all the scenarios and like you know, if I get waived, what happens when, you know, or when I get waived, what happens then if this team wants me, what do I do? If this, if I get a phone call from here, what do I do? And it was just, I, I just, I don't really even have words for it because it was really hard. And so you, you sit there and you think like, this is, this person woke up today and wasn't, you know, they kind of, they pretty much knew the night before what what the deal was and then they you know came in to the facility thinking you know because a a couple of other things had to shake out on the roster which again we will get to in a minute so this player comes in and just kind of is waiting to see what his future holds and then certain things fall into place and then so he goes home and then figures out what happens next and it's like oh my god rich it just like just this stuff is hard and and i'm rambling and i know i tend to do that sometimes but i just wanted to share that with you guys because um it's just hard these guys the act of trying is so admirable to me trying in anything you do and trying your best and i can't say among any of these guys that there was one person who didn't try their absolute best and so um I know we'll get to football in a second, but I just had to had to go on my little soapbox there because I just so admire people who try in that way. Yeah, I remember when you were saying that, Jordan, my, my mind went back to the hard knocks in, in 2016, which um, <laughs> it was to me, there wasn't a, a whole lot of compelling <laughs> moments in, in that. But the one that was certainly compelling and not in a not in a fun way, like you said, was uh, those meetings and they actually, you know, had the cameras in Jeff Fisher's office and, you know, Les being in there too. And, and, um, you know, uh, look, some of the, some of the guys come into training camp knowing 
what their reality is, right? I mean, they're, they're guys who, you know, they're just hoping, hey, maybe I'll, you know, catch fire in training camp. And even if the Rams cut me, I can pick pick up with somebody else. But there's also a handful of guys, I, I wouldn't put a number on it, but certainly, you know, a handful more who, you know, really believe, who really think I have a chance. I am, I am, I know I am on the bubble. I know I'm on the cusp of this roster. And I know that if I show out in training camp that I can win a spot. And and when they get down to the last days and and they they get that tap on that shoulder that, you know, hey, you know, come to coach's office, like can't even imagine, can't even imagine what that's like to, I mean, not only the months that they've put in from OTAs on, but, you know, lifetime is some of these guys, you know, for a lot of them come from smaller colleges where they didn't uh, get, obviously didn't get drafted and, and tried to catch on. Or, you know, I, just looking at the list, you know, I think about, um, you know, somebody like Micah Kaiser, who, you know, has fought through injuries and things like that and tried desperately to get on the field and stay healthy. Or uh, Dante Dion, who, you know, did all the work on special teams and, and things like that. Or even like Xavier Jones, who, you know, gets so close. And then, you know, obviously, well, I'm sure we'll talk about that more too, but um, ends up getting hurt at the last possible moment, uh, you know, right before he's he's on the cusp of of, of making the, the roster. So yeah, it's, it's, it's quite a, you know, the other spectrum, obviously the other end of the spectrum is, is the guys who do make it, you know, who get through the whole day and, and they're still there. And, and the, you know, whoever, I don't know who it does, who does it for the Rams now, but you know, they don't get the tap on the shoulder. They don't get the, uh, and they get to the end of the day and it's like, I'm still here. Nobody came to get me, you know, and, and what, a, what a thrilling, exhilarating feeling that must be uh, uh, for some of these guys. And, you know, I, I know we'll go through the whole list, but yeah, it's, it's, it's really the, um, you know, that the run the gamut uh, of the emotions, but yeah, it really came down to it, Jordan. I mean, there, there were some dramatic uh, decisions here and, and obviously, you know, I don't know if we want to stay on brand and, and start with special teams first, but, uh, but uh, that was one of the hinge things that, that was going going on. And then there were a couple other positions that I think uh, maybe there were, there were a couple surprises or, or even a couple things that could still happen here uh, that, that will, that will impact the, uh, the season opening roster. Yeah. So um, let me run through a timeline here for you, Rich. All right. <laughs> All right. So most of this roster was solidified on Monday night. All right. So yes. um Part that wasn't was the ongoing and maybe dramatic conclusion of what I have been calling sort of a double bluff situation um, with the with the punters. So my understanding of what sort of has gone down and hindsight is so beneficial because in it, I didn't even consider the scenario um, that we ultimately came up with for Johnny Hecker, but um Basically, what happened, what seemed to have what seemed to happen, this is this is not like necessarily sourced or anything. It does come with a lot of, I think, what I like to call educated insight. Um, But nobody sat me down and said, Jordan, we we pulled this and look at us go. Nobody said that to me, but I am, you know, an adult with a brain. So anyway, so. um, So Johnny Hecker and Corey Barakwas are competing all through the spring um, Sean McVay and Les Snead are publicly committed to Johnny Hecker. 
um, initially after signing Corey Barraquez. And then in training camp, when Johnny, after Johnny basically came out and said, hey, I am not naive. I understand that this is a competition and it's pretty much directly based on my salary, which he was slated to owe uh, 4.9 million, or excuse me, his salary was slated to owe the cap 4.9 million. Um, He was something like, uh, 3.9, some 3.7, some dead money and, and some bonuses and stuff. So, um, he was like, I'm not naive about this. I understand I'm in a competition. And I asked him directly, do you think that you will win this job? Do you think that you will be the Rams starting punter? And he said, I think that I will be in this competition. So Hmm. it was left open, like the messaging of it, it was very much left open. Right. And, um, then they continue through camp and it's really, you can't really tell in training camp practices who's quote unquote winning. It really comes down to the preseason and then all these measurables and intangibles that the new special teams coach, Joe DeCamillis is measuring them by. Well, it, it comes down to Corey Barraquez. So Johnny Hecker, uh, unfortunately test positive for, for COVID-19, which I'm allowed to share because it was confirmed by Sean McVay, um, who also said, by the way, that Johnny is fully vaccinated so people in my mentions, like he has taken all of the right steps. It it was a situation we just wish the best for him in terms of recovery. That's all we're going to we're just going to leave it at that. He took the right steps for himself. And that's all we're going to say. So um, and and it, obviously these breakout cases, breakthrough cases are happening. Um, I I really uh, I really felt for him because, you know, Johnny Hecker is like, you know, I'm going to do everything that I can the right way and all this stuff. And, and so, um, I just saw a lot the reason why I'm saying this, I just saw a lot of chatter about people making assumptions that he was not vaccinated. And, um, that certainly was not, is not, and was not the case, which we can now say because, um, Sean McVay has come out and confirmed it on behalf of the team and said so publicly moving forward. So he goes on the COVID reserve list, which, um, it means that, you know, he needed as a vaccinated player needed back to back 24 hour windows apart tests, 24 hour window apart tests that were negative in order to be cleared to rejoin the team. Well, because he spent so long on COVID reserve, the assumption is that he did not record back to back negative tests and so was not able to join the team. So that window left open a space for Corey Barraquez to um, basically have one of the best punting performances I've seen in many, (laughs) many eons uh, against Denver on uh, Saturday night in the preseason game. At the same time, um, Johnny Hecker's salary was was what it was right that was the one thing and and in in chatter sort of in league circles that was the one thing that I kept hearing was the hang-up with him was that salary the salary the salary the salary not just because it, it made him uh maybe like hard to keep but it also makes him and made him hard to trade because another team was not going to take him on on that salary. And my understanding is that, you know, people were monitoring the situation, including the Cowboys were monitoring that situation in terms of the salary and thinking maybe the Rams will cut him um, because of the salary and keep the new punter. And then maybe they can go pick him up for way cheaper than he was. So that's what they were monitoring, but you can't trade. You can't, you couldn't trade him. All right. The guy you could trade was Corey. 
And he became, after that game in Denver, a great... He was already a starting punter in the league and and has the stats to back it up and the credentials to back it up. But against Denver on that in that game, made himself even more of an appealing candidate, um, not just if the Rams wanted to ultimately keep him, but also if another team ultimately wanted to trade for him. And the kicker here, no pun intended, oh my God, I can't believe I just did that. But the kicker here is that Barakwas did not carry that salary. So he, therefore, was the player who was easier to trade. If the Rams would have cut um, Johnny and not gotten any sort of return on a trade, to me, that is a wasted competition, quote-unquote. If the Rams would have cut Corey and not gotten any sort of return on that, that's a wasted competition, quote-unquote. But instead, what happened was they waited all the way down to the wire and at about noon, so the deadline was 1 p.m. to have rosters solidified. At about noon, it emerged uh, via Michael Gelkin, who does a great job covering the Cowboys, that Johnny Hecker had restructured his contract. And that meant that the Cowboys were no longer interested because that meant they knew the Cowboy that meant the Cowboys knew that the Rams were keeping Johnny Hecker. Well, um, I texted a source, and basically my understanding is they had discussed the restructure, but nothing could be officially signed because Johnny was on the COVID list and therefore exempt from a roster spot. Right. Okay, so then so then that's that's all confirmed that he's got the restructure, right? And Johnny is at practice. He's still on the COVID list, mm-hmm. but he's present at practice, which apparently is allowed, <laughs> and... Um, is is at practice and is the only punter at practice. So to to me, like the writing is on the wall, right? Well, still we have no transaction. The ro- we don't have a roster. The Rams are literally right down to the wire um, because the second part of this was once Johnny agrees to restructure his contract. At that point, they can call their other line and say, all right, we're trading you, Corey, assuming that they had lined up one or two interested trade parties um, in the case that that were to happen. And so to me, the reason I call this a double bluff and and wrote about it in my column is because the TLDR version of this that is the non-rambling version is basically if you say to Johnny, we have a guy who could potentially replace you if you don't restructure your contract and we are going to see this through until the very last second. Therefore, if you want to keep playing for us and not get cut, then we need, then you need to restructure your contract and it's not an auto restructure. So you need to agree to it. Okay. But at the same time, you're on the phone with another team that says, Hey, and you say to them, hey, if Johnny does agree to restructure his contract, we can trade you Corey, and he's a, right. he's a really good punter. Look what he just did the other night. Um, then if you're the Rams, you pretty much double bluff and just sit there and wait all the way to the last second, which they did, because at 12.59, Rich, they the trade officialized. Wow. Wow. That's... Uh... You can't beat a good punter trade, right? I mean... Double bluff, man. That's what I'm calling it. I wish old, it was a pun, but it's not. The old Les Sneed double bluff. <laughs> thinking in bets. <laughs> it's like his favorite book is Thinking in Bets, and I should have seen it coming, and I'm, curse- that's right, I'm cursing that's myself right, yeah. that I didn't even think of this scenario. That's right. Yeah, the poker player. What's uh, the, the Black Widow? Annie Dukes. Uh, Annie yeah. Dukes. Yeah, yeah. That's, that's, that's Les. 
Old trader less. Yeah, like uh, yeah, look at that. I think there's only been like three punter trades like in the last 20 years or something like that. So of course the Rams are involved in in one of them, but uh yeah, I mean, hey, you know, kudos to them for for playing it out that way. I mean, they had no uh, they had no reason to rush that situation and and why not why not play it out till the end to see uh what what you could what you could do in the end it, it probably works out for the best I mean look Johnny Hecker I, I don't know I'll, I'll be honest with you I mean he certainly you look at the the great punters over the last I don't know how long you want to go back but in, of this generation I mean he's he's if not the best, he's certainly one of the best. Um, but things have been a little, a little shaky over the last year or so. And I, I don't attribute that to anything in particular. I don't know anything about punting. So I can't sit here and tell you what Johnny Hecker is or isn't doing. Uh, but he's certainly a, a trusted uh, punter. And I, I think if you can work it out that way to where you bring back Johnny Hecker at a more reasonable number, and they they basically swapped a seventh round pick for a sixth round pick uh, to, to move up a little bit and, you know, just basically parlayed Corey, who they you know, picked up for nothing, uh, and, and parlayed that into a, into a one round higher draft pick. So not bad, you know, at the end of the day, assuming you made the right move, assuming Johnny is the the correct punter to have, uh, instead of Corey, which I, I think, you know, all things being equal, I, I think I would rather have Johnny Hecker, uh, over, over the course of a season. So uh, yeah, fascinating, Jordan. What a, what a way for this, for this thing to play out. I mean, literally all the way to the end, um, so yeah, of course it was special teams, right? It had I know. Be, I was like, my be. lead to my column about the 53 man, I'm like, only this team, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> only yeah. this team would wait, would pull this right down at the wire with special teams of all things. And, and I think too, it, it is, it's interesting. And, and, um, I, I always wonder what happens, what these conversations are like behind the scenes. And at some point, uh, Johnny is exempt from the 53 man right now. So at some point um, he's on the roster, but COVID reserve players are exempt. So both he and Coleman Shelton are basically free spaces right now. Um, and the Rams will have to make two corresponding moves to get them on the roster. Ultimately, Johnny will probably come first because he's been in the protocol for, you know, the last at least when you by the time you're listening to this, it's been 11 or 12 days that he's been in the protocol. So um, their next move would then align, um, interestingly, align with uh, – the time limit that you are required to have a player on the 53-man roster before you ha- have to short-term injured reserve them. Um, so Obo Okoronkwo is going to be the player that they short-term injured reserve. And then they might also have to do that with Tremaine Ankrum as well, um, yeah. both of those players suffering from respective injuries. Um, and so short-term IR, you cannot be put on IR and then return unless you make the initial roster, which both of those players did. Um, but to make room for a COVID exempt player, you have to make a roster move and waive somebody. Um, but the Rams will not have to in this case, because, um, either one of those players, whether it's, uh, um, Tremaine or Oboe will, their move to IR short term IR, which is only three weeks will be, will open the corresponding space for Johnny and then ultimately for Coleman Shelton as well. So, um, it was, it, it was interesting to see how all of that 
played out and how those types of spots affect everything else. Another piece of math um, to put into the Excel spreadsheet. But other than that, I mean, that that <laughs> I, I think so in my in my projection column, I wrote that Corey was the probably the the one who would be traded if he if there was a yeah. trade. But then I did put him on my final because I just I went back and forth like three or four times before even sending it to my editor, Ken. And I was just like, I don't I don't even know what to put, but I'm just going to try to cover all my bases. And yeah. um, and ultimately, like, I think you know, to me, I think Johnny keeping Johnny is a great decision. Um, I, I honestly don't know if there was a maybe a wrong we won't know until we see Corey play, but right. if if Johnny wouldn't have restructured, I don't know if there was a wrong decision. Um, now that he's restructured, keeping him to me is absolutely the right decision for a variety of reasons, not the least financial, um, and also his leadership. And I think he can um, go, you know, be his old self and all of that. Um, but other than that little, you know, double bluff at the wire there, I I wasn't surprised by any of it. I have been on the three quarterback train for quite some time yes. now. Um, if you listen to this podcast, I'm going to bring it up again. I'm sorry, but I've been watching Bryce Perkins play since the Chandler, Arizona days. And I, right. I was like, if it's going to be a quarterback is going to convince these Rams to stick to the roster, it is going to be Bryce Perkins. So I uh, right. was not super shocked by that one. As you know, Rich, uh, I think I was texting you about this on Monday night. Um Obviously, did not announce right. that until Tuesday morning, but um, yes. you know, good for him. It was it was yeah. just really really cool to see. Yeah, and and it makes sense. And Jordan, I I saw um, you responding to somebody on on Twitter, and it's like, and and I I um, mentioned this when I was doing a, a local radio show last week. It's it's you're looking at a third quarterback mm-hmm. versus somebody versus a 10th offensive lineman or yeah. versus a 7th defensive lineman. Yeah. You, and I'm, I'm not saying, don't get me wrong, I'm not saying that those guys are not valuable, um, but it's it's you're not looking at, at Bryce Perkins versus a starting caliber player or even a backup caliber player, most likely. You're looking at Bryce Perkins versus probably somebody who's going to be a special teamer. Or somebody who's going to be an emergency player. And again, I, I understand some of those players can be productive and, and be parts of your team. But it's like, do you want to lose Bryce Perkins? Um, and and to me, I we you know we talked about this last week. Um, and and I think uh, not to pat ourselves on the back, but I, th- I think we were pretty spot on. Is and I think the Rams realized this that they they weren't going to get him through. I don't. Think. No, and, uh, and, and not to interrupt yeah. you, Rich, but I mm-hmm. I know that they were not going to get him through. That's not even right. e- educated guess at, at this point. Like they were not right. going to get him through. There were teams who are on of a higher waiver spot than the Rams. Obviously, were uh, he would need to clear waivers to be on the practice squad. There were teams that were interested in. Um, the potential of him being cut and we're inquiring about the potential of him being cut. So to me, um, you know, I don't know those teams, but I look at some of the teams that specifically run the McVay-Shanahan system who sit above the Rams on the waiver wire who do not have a solution at backup quarterback to the point where, like, you know, and again, I don't know if this was a team that was involved, but like if you have two backup quarterbacks and one of them is Josh Rosen and you run the McVay Shanahan system, like maybe right. and you're fourth on the waiver wire, like maybe you're inquiring <laughs> about, right. about right. Bryce Perkins. You know what I mean? So right. I feel right. like right. the Rams were like, oh, shit, you know, like we have to uh, right. probably didn't panic because they 
they knew this was coming for the last couple of weeks. And, and Sean McVay slowly ca- kind of came around to the idea of keeping three quarterbacks. But um, you're, you're absolutely right. And I, I want you to continue with that point about roster spots, because I think that's spot on the way that the Rams were considering it, and particularly when it came to the value of a quarterback as a position. Right. Yeah. And I, I'm stealing it from you, Jordan, oh. because it's also in, <laughs> in your forth, column that, that people, <laughs> yeah, people, if, if haven't already, uh, should definitely go check out Jordan's uh, analysis, uh, kind of a position by position breakdown of, of this um, uh, initial roster. But but that's really what it is. And and it's, you know, Sean McVay has gone back and forth. I mean, it was just a couple of years ago that he kept Brandon Allen as a number three quarterback. So um, and, and Brandon Allen didn't even get close to the field. I, I think he might have gone back and forth that year among the uh, between the practice squad and the and the, the active roster, so again, it's it's not you know these, these sort of things. You're, you're not weighing a a Bryce Perkins versus a, again a starting player or somebody. It's you know it's it's again it's that tenth offensive lineman or somebody who is just going to be a special teamer or something like that. And so they, they didn't want to lose him. That that's what it was. And and even if he doesn't see the field this year, maybe it's next year, maybe it's two years from now. Uh, but but you want to keep that guy in the in the fold based on uh, what what he has shown out and who knows maybe he will get on the field I mean let's not let's not dismiss that either I mean they we're talking about Sean McVay here you know very easily could see uh, Bryce Perkins on, on the field for for some type of package or or play or whatever it might be I, I you know that would of course you mean he would have to be on the on the game roster which uh, I don't know that that might be a tip-off yeah. if he ends up being on the maybe game roster that one. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, if he ends up being on the game roster, there's a really good chance you're going to see him on the field. Yeah. Um. So I, you know, so we'll, we'll see what. But who knows? I mean, maybe again, I'm not wishing this on anybody, but you know, maybe John Wolford has an ankle injury one week or something like that, and and uh, Bryce Perkins steps in as as the number two. I mean, that that could very easily happen. Um. So anyway, I mean, this is a guy. Again, you're you're, you're making more of a longer term bet on on somebody like this, but but based on what he showed, uh. I, I think it's I think it's a reasonable bet. So yeah, um, yeah. I I mean that, that Jordan, you you went through it really well in in, in your column. So uh, people should should definitely check that out. Thanks, Rich. Maybe we can go, we can go to to running backs because that was a position to me um, that was interesting and and there was a little bit of a surprise there. Very unfortunate surprise in that Xavier Jones who was presumed, uh, at least on my end, I certainly don't want to speak for you, Jordan, but uh, for for a lot of training camp was presumed to be in the mix there. Uh, for for a roster spot, he ends up playing in that in that final preseason game in Denver and, and suffers a, a pretty serious injury. And Jordan, I, I know you have more details on that, so I'll, I'll let you. Uh, I hope that you will speak on that uh, a little bit more. But the Rams only end up carrying three running backs on on their initial roster: Daryl Henderson, uh, Sony Michelle. Obviously, uh, came in the fold. We haven't even talked about that. That happened after our last podcast too. Uh, and then uh, Jake. Funk, the Funk Man, the Funk, uh, the Funkster, uh, Funk Funkhauser, uh, Funkmeister, uh, <laughs> Funk yeah, ends up uh, making the roster. Good for him. You talk about the, you know, we talked about the, the, you know, the sad stories and and those the heartbreaking stories. But what a cool thing! What a great thing for Jake Funk to to come back after some real serious uh, knee problems and and be a seventh round pick and and then ends up making the initial fifty three man roster. So kudos to him. Awesome job, but. Uh, Jordan, 
Only three there. Uh, am, am I out of line? Am I am I not of the of the of the right thinking? If I were to suggest that maybe the Rams are going to keep an eye on the waiver wire, can they really go into the regular season uh, with three running backs, or do you think that they're confident enough in in that mix of three that uh, that that might be an option? Yeah. Sean McVay is adamant that he's cool with three. I'm not really buying that. Um, no, me neither. I'm just, I'm just super not buying it. And I think, um, like, that doesn't detract from how great I think these three guys are. I think it's so like really cool stories all around. And um, Sony is expected to play in week one as well. So they're sort of getting him up to speed. And Daryl obviously has been through what he's been through. And, and Jake Funk has been through what he's been through. And really a... I, I would say an underdog, probably externally. I think you and I talked about it way back where we expected him to make this roster, um, even if he, man, he had to like sleep outside the building every night. Like that's just his personality. And so um, I, I, I don't think I was surprised by any of that. What I was surprised by was the fact that Xavier Jones suffered a season ending and pretty devastating Achilles tear um, because, yeah. you know, the 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 initial diagnosis was that they thought he was going to be okay, but an Achilles tear is never usually an okay thing, and um, pretty pretty devastating for the young man who worked yeah. his way onto the roster as an undrafted free agent. Um, and by the end of uh, the preseason, I, I would say probably Jake Funk had maybe. Um, started to maybe edge him out a little bit. And then Xavier Jones is playing in minutes that don't matter and then tears his Achilles. So it's really heartbreaking to me in that regard to to hear about that and to find out about that through uh, McVeigh's comments today. And I think they would have kept four on their roster if that had not happened to him. Um, such as it goes, they are now at three. And I, I guess I wouldn't, I wouldn't be surprised to see them sort of scan the waiver wire. There's a couple of other guys we'll get to down the line here who could offer them some flexibility if they think an RB4 is is worth picking up. At one point, they pay, they did pick up. Obviously, he's not an option now because he also had a season-ending injury. But obviously, at one point, um, they, uh, they had picked up Raymond Calais last year as an RB4 option who could also potentially return kicks for them. They don't currently have a kickoff man Tutu Atwell's returning punts but in terms of kickoffs someone who is um embedded in that role is determined is to be determined so that's kind of where I'm at with the running back situation I think you're going to see a compliment between Daryl Henderson and and Sony Michelle um especially early on wouldn't be surprised if by the end of the season, Sony Michelle start is getting a little bit more of that carry share, just in terms of durability and in terms of um, the, some of the physicality that that latter season push will require. Um, but I think that they really complement each other super well. Um, Jake Funk, I mean, he just keeps improving day after day, so um, definitely not totally surprised by that. And he'll also obviously contribute on special teams. But yeah, Rich, not not a ton to be surprised by, other than. Obviously, that really unfortunate injury to Xavier Jones, um, and then the offensive line. We do have, we do have kind of a surprise, which um, good for him, Alark Jackson Jr. Um, on the Rams roster, he goes by uh, AJ, um, and he played a lot of left tackle in the preseason, and he made the roster, and he's an undrafted free agent out of Iowa, and I think that's great. That's one of those stories that you you love to see, and the Rams are going to roll with ten offensive linemen they have nine right now Coleman Shelton being exempt 
Um, but they are going to run with what Sean McVay calls a real two deep, which means, you know, two rows of linemen standing one behind the other. And you've got two offensive right. lines. <laughs> that's what that is. So for better or for worse, that's there they are. That's what they that's where they are. <laughs> Yeah, an an interesting decision there with with Alaric Jackson, and um, I I wonder, you know, like we we've we've tried to project all training camp, like with the with the move, you know, at center and right guard, like what did that mean? And and we came to, I think we came to a pretty good understanding fairly quickly that it was probably more about right guard than it was about center, and so a a, a move like this also makes me wonder, and and uh, certainly Alaric ja- AJ Jackson, you know earned this this spot on the roster there's there's a lot that we don't see and an offensive line is such a hard I mean I I know when you know when I was on the beat I always missed on these 53 man projections with the offensive line just because it's it's so hard it's so hard to 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 project and and we don't see a lot of the stuff that they do and a lot of it is above the neck stuff you know like how you know what what are you picking up in the in the meeting rooms and and you know how how what kind of command of the offense do you have? So it, it's hard to you know watch games or even practices and and project like okay that guy is clearly going to make the team or or isn't or, or whatever. But from a positional standpoint, I, I I do wonder what it means um, because you do you look at it and obviously the Rams have two stalwarts at, at tackle in in Andrew Whitworth and in Rob Havenstein holding down uh, the the other side and then in some of the, the backups there there's some positional kind of flexibility. I mean, Joe Noteboom certainly is, has been seen at times as a, a possible heir apparent at, at tackle. Uh, Tremaine Ankrum uh, can can play the tackle position. Even Bobby Evans, uh, it, when he came out at least, was considered a possible uh, tackle. So the fact that they would also keep Alaric Jackson, A.G. Jackson, uh, I'm not sure what that means. I, and and I, I, I don't say that to be a, a pot stirrer. I, I, I just honestly don't know like what that means, whether they just felt like they needed a little bit more depth at that tackle position, whether they thought he was just so solid in in practices and, and whatever it may be that they needed to keep him. Uh, but certainly, Jordan, when, when we looked at that list, I mean, that, that was one that, that jumped out to me. I'll be honest, I, I did not expect him... Uh, uh, expect to, to see him on that list. So good for him. Absolutely. Certainly. But uh, just kind of curious to see maybe maybe where he's going to fit in. And and if there were to be an injury uh, on that uh, offensive line, uh, one of the tackle positions, kind of how they would handle that. So, um, yeah, uh, again, I'll just be very interested. I think, uh, first of all, I love your pots during comments. So never, no, never change you. those. I love yeah. those no matter what anybody says, which I was like, oh my gosh, Rich is, I, who doesn't love Rich's pot-stirring comments? Like, No matter what anybody inside Rams headquarters they're, says, they're, still love them. Yes. They're, they're always, they're always, uh, you always do, uh, dish them out with a heavy dose of sarcasm. So anybody yes. who takes those seriously should not. Um, yes. But I, I think to me, this move screams insurance in case Joe Noteboom does not resign with the Rams. Not necessarily if, you know, whoever's decision that might be, I would imagine that they would want to keep him around. But if they can't afford to pay him, uh, that's what this screams to me is uh, just in case Joe Noteboom insurance money, um, just in case he does depart in free agency because he uh, can play left tackle and does not have a lot of wear and tear 
other than the injuries, but does not have a lot of live wear and tear on his body at playing left tackle, which could be either a good thing or a bad thing, depending on which side of the negotiating table you're sitting on. But if he is demanding a salary that the Rams can't pay um, and other another team's willing to pay it, and he then they need to have a backup plan, and they don't have one unless it's Alaric Jackson. <laughs> so um, I, that's that's what that's what it kind of uh, screams to me. And if you have any more thoughts on that, I would love to hear them. But uh, otherwise, we could scoot on over to wide receiver, uh, where you know super. Not surprised by anything we see here, right, Rich? I mean, it's no, just like, how these, do you make I, this roster as a receiver, you know? Yeah, no, yeah. I, I mean, maybe, maybe we could even throw tight ends into this. Yeah, this that'd be great. Interior too, because, I mean, obviously, I mean, Jordan, you, you nailed these in your in your uh, projections. I, I guess maybe, I mean, we're, we're maybe with some people were a little surprised about uh, Ben Skrowanek. I, I don't know. Maybe uh, people thought, especially with some of the injuries uh, that, that he's had, that maybe he would have a a little bit of a difficult time, but but you were right on that one, and uh, and it doesn't look like I, he was out there in a in a no contact um, jersey when you when you were <laughs> trying to figure out who was on the roster on Tuesday. I was like, who wears uh, eighty one? And I was like, oh, that guy. I haven't seen him. Yeah, that guy. Gerald yeah. Everett. Gerald yeah. Everett's back. Yeah, you know, I, I do that. I do that for for years when I covered the Kings. I was still picking out guys who had been gone for. For five years, but but what what do we know, Jordan, about his status? And um, yeah, no real surprises here. I, I guess I don't know. Maybe at tight end, um, what was? Do you think there was any d- discussion about, about keeping a fourth? And and I assume that fourth would have been Bryson Hopkins. Uh, but again, a special teamer, as you mentioned in your column, and those certainly when you get down to those last you know, number 50 through number 53, uh, that, that makes a big difference. So, so where, where are we on, uh, on big Ben and, uh, where were you, were you, were you surprised at all at, at, at keeping that fourth tight end? Uh, not surprised at all about the fourth tight end, not surprised at all that it was Bryson Hopkins because the Rams clearly decided that they were not going to keep seven receivers. A seventh and sixth receiver would help you on special teams. You probably would not keep a fourth tight end in that case, um, they also decided that they were going to keep four linebackers. A fifth linebacker is a core special teamer. If you keep a fourth tight end who is a prolific special teamer in Bryson Hopkins, who made that phenomenal special teams play, um, who has, you know, I think really, really especially made a mark on special teams in particular, um, you don't, you, you, it wins your math at two roster spots. Like you can keep, if you have Bryson Hopkins as your fourth tight end, you can work him through on special teams. You don't have to keep an extra receiver and an extra linebacker to do basically one player's job. So he, that's why I think in part why they went with four tight ends and also in part because, well, he, he's still developing and, you know, as a pass catcher, certainly Jacob Harris has leapfrogged over him in terms of what they expect from him. But it, it's almost like unfair. We've talked about this before. It's almost like unfair to even say that they play the same position because right. Bryson Hopkins is um, a lot closer to the core um, in terms of his alignment. Um, definitely has changed his body around to be more of like a, a blocking kind of heavier personnel guy. Um, so that's, and then obviously the special teams, um, prowess as well. And Jacob Harris, on the other hand, plays detached from the core a lot, um, is going to be the red, like a red zone threat, develop into a red zone threat. 
um, going to be a downfield threat. So, so like they're just, they're just two different complete positions under one sort of umbrella. So, um, for me, it was like, yeah, well, so if you don't technically count, aside from the special teams math that I just just de- uh, demonstrated maybe pretty clum- clumsily, um, aside from that, like if you have a player who is technically not a tight end, like he is, but he isn't, then you still need three tight ends, <laughs> right. right? So that's aside from the the help that Bryson provides in, with your numbers on on special teams. And so for me, I saw some some chatter about like people wanting to get rid of him or whatever. I'm like, how are you gonna? Someone's helping you and contributing in that level, you know, in terms of of not only helping your roster math but also contributing on special teams in that fashion as a second year player who is cheap and doing it effectively and cheaply. By the way, cheaply being like a key word here. Um, And he also counts as sort of your third tight end um, because you have a different guy who you're just sectioning off into this whole new stratosphere of a different like he just is doing something different and you still need a number three tight end. So that checks like three boxes for you at once. So I was just always I was confused by people who were kind of saying that. But um, with Ben Skronik, like. I think the thing that I love and miss dearly about training camp is being able to lurk and hear coaches talking about players, right? Mm. And on the sideline when they're coaching, hearing them coach and hearing them talk to either other coaches or other or players about other players. And Ben Skronik is extremely they they think he has a ton of upside. And he was he had a great uh intro to camp and for me, I thought this dude is a lock to make the roster like like probably two weeks before he even hurt his forearm. And even when he hurt his forearm, I was like, if he can come back, I think he still might be a lock to make this roster. So they could do some math in terms of, of putting him on a short-term IR. Um, he was uh, pretty much, it was he, Sean McVay said he's ready to take some contact within the next couple of weeks. So they might not put him on short-term IR, depending on, I think what they see on waivers the next two days will really, be a factor into whether they do that or not. But he got a full workout in after practice um, and looks like he's he's almost ready to go, just was wearing that red non-contact. So was not surprised by that at all. And I would say, like, that is one of my favorite things um, about training camp is being able to get little clues about people that turn into bigger things down the line. Um, and that's just something that I really, really love, putting those those pieces together just about people and, and their dynamic and who they are. So you should read your beat writers. <laughs> you should always, yes. always read your beat writers, guys. <laughs> yes, but no, I mean, exactly. but it all, all being serious, like it's just um, it's just the the coolest experience to see someone grow in real time. And that's clearly what Skronik did. And the coaches recognized it and appreciated that and see like how underrated he maybe was. And one one person was even talking about how, uh, you know, like to you know, not, not to, not to be dramatic, but probably could have had this guy, someone, another team could have had this guy in the fourth round, like not to be dramatic or anything, right. you know, like <laughs> it's like, okay, yeah. yeah, you're pretty excited about this guy. Right. So. Yeah. yeah. Right. Right. Well, Hey, that, that's, you know, that's what those uh, last few roster spots are for, you know, it's, it's a, uh, you keep a guy because you think he has a high ceiling and uh, you, you know, you don't want to risk losing him. So, uh, it, 
give a little bit of a preview, Jordan, or th- maybe just to remind myself, want to spend some time next week in our in our podcast before uh, the Chicago Bears season opener, maybe talking about some of these receivers and and how they're going to fit within that offense. Mm-hmm. You know, when you obviously we know Cooper Cup, Robert Woods, but uh, Van Jefferson, Deshaun Jackson, Tutu Atwell. Um, how much of the field are they going to see? And and you know what what kind of roles are, are they going to fill? Very very curious about that. Want to pick your brain uh, about what you what you saw in, in training camp that that you can discuss, of course, yeah. that, that will not get you uh, permanently barred from from the facility. I know. But, I'm just uh, going to we'll, do we'll hand gestures. I'm going to do hand gestures and like signal yes. signals right. and drop plays so that only you can see it, Rich. And right, then you can right. you can be like, oh, yeah, you know, I thought yeah. they were going to do that. And we're on Zoom right yes. now, but we're not putting right. the broadcast out. So none of you guys will be able to see it and I won't right, get in right. trouble. <laughs> right. Exactly. Yeah. I'll just journal, will just draw up diagrams. And, uh, I'm going to hold up a, page, a piece of yeah, paper, well, placards like, like in Love Actually or whatever yes, that movie exactly. is where yeah, they just, just like, <laughs> yeah, Van Jefferson, to me, you are perfect. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Outstanding. Outstanding. Yeah. I, I want to get into that a little bit because it's interesting um, uh, to me. And, so let, let's move over to the defensive side, and and I, I wanted to bring this one up because I I think if there was any surprise to me, um, it was it was keeping seven defensive linemen, and maybe we should start with a little bit of an asterisk on that because that includes Ashawn Robinson, who uh, as you noted, Jordan, in your in your column today is is not expected to start the season on short term injured reserve right now, which which means that uh, they think he's going to be ready sometime in the first couple weeks, uh, I would imagine. But it, there's certainly a possibility, if not a probability, that um, he's, he's not ready for the Chicago game or maybe even week two or week three. So maybe that seven goes down to six uh, uh, right away. But uh, 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 Michael Hoyt makes the roster. Uh, Jonah Williams makes the roster. Uh, two guys who were practice squad guys for the, for the Rams last year who obviously uh, were around, and uh, they joined this guy, Aaron, uh, can't remember his last name. Uh, starts heard with he's D, okay. I, I heard he's Yeah, he's all right. It's good. The kid's got some potential. Um, <laughs> so uh, Aaron Donald, Sebastian Joseph Day, Ashawn Robinson, as we said, Greg Gaines uh, sticks around, Michael Hoyt, Bobby Brown the third draft pick, and, and Jonah Williams. Um, is seven, uh, first of all, is, is it more like six just because that's the way they're going to start the season? And, uh, were, were you surprised at all that, that they kept, uh, if the, that they kept that many in, in the type of defense, uh, that, uh, that they're going to run this year? Yeah, I think seven is more like six. I think, um, Jonah becomes one of their like quote unquote flex spots and down the line when we get to safeties, they kept more safeties as well. So one of those safety positions becomes a flex spot for them guys who they can bring up and down as needed. Um, once the initial like noise of the waiver is clear. Um, I thought Eric Banks was going to make this roster. Maybe they're trying to sneak him back on somehow um, in case something else happens um, in terms of, uh, maybe Ashawn Robinson takes a little longer. Maybe there's a flare up of some kind. Maybe, you know, you hope not, but maybe something else happens somewhere down the line. Um, so you just never know um, with uh, with with any of these guys what what might end up happening. But I think that that DL7 spot and I would probably put Jonah Williams in that spot. I, I would say that might be a flex position where you can bring him up and down. Um, so might not always be seven, especially with some of these guys coming back. 
Um, and then, you know, I guess, you know, I think we kind of shook out the way that you might think it would. Um, the main concern is, you know, can Ashawn Robinson come back? When can he come back? Which, because he's not going on short-term IR, indicates that he will be back before that three-week window. And then also, um, you know, when can uh, – how how is that going to work? Will he be 100%? Um, and can that front sort of get through its rotations well? But uh, Michael Hoyt, yeah, I, I've been thinking he's going to – he'd make the roster for a while. He's played really, really well throughout training camp and the and the preseason had a monster game this last week as well. Yeah. Um, and, yeah, these two guys, him and Jonah Williams, both they've worked really hard, um, and, and it's always nice to see guys latch on like that. But I don't think that they get far uh, without at least trying to bring Eric Banks back up at some point. Um, I know they're hoping he sticks to their practice squad, but I don't know, man. He he's you know he's developing really well. He was on the active roster all last year, so um, we might next week be coming back and saying you know he got claimed by another team, but um, we'll just have to see. And it kind of similarly, um, Rich goes hand in hand with um, obviously that that outside linebacker position. I was kind of wondering if you, if anybody surprised you. Um, before I begin to go on my weekly Terrell Lewis rant. <laughs> yes. Oh, I can't wait. I'm really, I didn't know this was coming, so I, I can't wait. I, I won't, I won't keep it. Uh, I won't, uh, delay it for very long. Uh, Justin Lawler not making it. I mean, we, we talked a lot and again, preseason, you, you don't want to over, over evaluate it. Um, especially some of these games, you know, it's, it's second string versus second string or second versus third or three versus two, whatever it may be. So, you know, and I'm not trying to backpedal. Like we, we talked a lot about Justin Lawler after that, that preseason game where he really showed up, but look, it was one night, you know, and, and they, the, the Rams, Sean McVay and, and all the coaching staff, Raheem Morris take take a full view of this thing, and that includes every practice, every walkthrough, every meeting, you know, everything that you do. So obviously, you know the the fans uh, get to see the the games uh, because they're televised or in person. But uh, there's a lot else that that goes on. So uh, yeah, the, that that was one that was surprising to me. And and you you pointed out in your column that that he could very well be back again. We'll see what happens. Uh, uh, with with waivers, but but before you get to the the Terrell Lewis rant, which I certainly do not want to uh, downplay, uh, do you think or, or do a do you think and b if if so when uh, Chris Garrett versus Justin Lawler, do you think that was a, a competition there, and do you think? Chris Garrett, kind of like the you know the the, the horse running down the stretch. Do, do you think he kind of caught Justin Lawler uh, in the end, or or was that was that not a competition? Um, I'm not sure whether I would say it's specifically competition because a lot of times we saw Chris Garrett playing opposite the quote unquote Leonard Floyd spot, okay. and then yeah. he'd play opposite like maybe a maybe he would play opposite Justin Lawler, or he would play. Um, opposite uh, Justin Hollins in practice. Um, and then Justin Hollins would play opposite the Floyd spot and kind of rotate accordingly. So I think with Chris Garrett, I think the motivation was this dude looks like an NFL pass rusher and yeah. he is a seventh round rookie. And he kind of has just started to click the, the light bulb has gone off and you, if you lose him, you might be losing something really special. 
and you found him in the first place and nobody else wanted him, nobody else drafted him, and you found him and stuck with him even through a year out of football. And so, like, you are sure as hell not letting him go, especially when he showed that much promise um, in the game. So I I don't necessarily think it had much. I think that I'd be surprised if you don't see Justin Lawler back um, on this 53-man. I think Justin Lawler is a lot, and I don't mean this as as an insult or a detriment. I think Justin Lawler is, in terms of prototypical pass rush, uh, just the length of frame, the intangible, like just not not intangibles, but like the things that uh, scouts right. look for in terms of, um, you know, that really like high motor, the bend, the hand stuff, like the production in college. Like people now know about Chris Garrett. So it's really hard. Right. It would be really hard to stash him on the roster where as opposed to Justin Lawler, you can say, oh, that was like a one-time like preseason game thing kind of thing. Maybe you right. can stash him and pull him through when Oboe has to go on um, short-term injured reserve. You see maybe right. how that goes, right? So to me, it right. just was maybe a little bit more of the maneuvering that had to do with it and maybe less of a competition because I do think that Justin Lawler provided that stout edge Um almost like a a 4-3 defensive end, like just much, just like real stout on the edge that could be a good complement to if there's at any point a reason to spell um, Leonard Floyd or even on some rundowns if you want to spell Justin Hollins. Um, Oboe certainly would not be the player on the rundowns. Um, And and so if you want to get into those types of different packages, and I think that that, um, I think he presents that very well. So I, I would be surprised if I didn't, if you didn't see him and whereas Chris Garrett, like they just want him to become an all around pass rusher and they are, they are going to do whatever they can to mold him into one. I think it's pretty cool. Cause we're like seeing it at the beginning phases and um, you know, he, he just is, is really just stacking blocks the best that he could. And it's always cool. You know, all but one of the Rams draft picks uh, made the roster this year and um, the the one that didn't, Ernest Brown, the reason he didn't, in my mind, is because they basically switched positions on him. And so he kind of has, like, the yellow flag of developmental player. Like, you know, he's basically wearing it draped across his shoulders right now. And so maybe easier to sneak through waivers in that regard. Um, because he he came in as a defensive lineman who was a little bit more versatile, but definitely defensive lineman. And now they've moved him out with the pass rushers. So he's working on that outside inside um, skill set, just like we said he would, like kind of the Morgan Fox sort of trajectory. So you can maybe stash him and bring him back on the practice squad um, a lot easier than you could some of these other guys. And particularly, I think there is no way once now people have seen Chris Garrett in, in a, NFL football game with NFL cameras in an NFL uniform against NFL talent and seeing what he did. Yes, it was a preseason, whatever, like seeing what he did and just how he looks and how he fills out the uniform. And um, like I said, has that length of frame where he uses the long arms, uses the long um, legs and and like the flexibility and the bend and the hands and like all of that put together. um, Yeah, they're not hiding that guy. (laughs) There's no way. Yeah, they're not stashing that guy. Right. Uh, Terrell Lewis and your your yes. rant. Oh, I, I just wasted my rant on. I just I just had a, a my rant all my rant oxygen. I just wasted on on the other. But yes, Terrell Lewis. I think um, I would have thought it was dumb to cut him. Yeah. To be honest, like I'm just going to be blunt. I would have thought it was really short sighted and dumb. And I think you have a player who 
if you get him, I don't even care if it's 25 or 30. If you get him to 20 to 25 snacks, snaps per game, I just said snacks per game because I'm looking at my LaCroix can in front of me. I usually, like, I usually eat I'm 20 snacks hungry. per game. So, yeah, yeah, I, yeah. I do eat 20 snacks per game. Yeah. Um, but if you get, can get him to 20 to 25 snaps per game and you know he is going to be an incredibly efficient producer in those 20 to 25 snaps. And he has a track record of being an incredibly efficient producer within a short space. Um, why the hell not? Right. I mean, that could make all the difference down the stretch is having that guy healthy for, you know, the right moment situationally. And if you feel like you can develop a rush plan for him that not only complements the other guys, but also keeps him healthy, kind of like what they're doing with Daryl Henderson, um, you have you you are always winning on the side of that return of investment for where you drafted him. And Terrell Lewis has the want. He has the motor and desire to do it. Um, he has been through hell in terms of that knee injury, and he just keeps coming back and working for it. I mean, on Thursday during the scrimmage in that practice, he showed up in full pads and freaking got after it. And I don't know if he read some of these things that were put out there about him. And I saw like one blog, like cut him. And I don't know if he read that. He kind of tweeted like maybe he saw it um, and it gave him a little extra motivation. But that dude was fired the hell up. Right. And that to me, when you see that as a coach and you're like, he is not quitting on this, then that's a guy that you want to keep around because he is going to work to get you that snap production when he can. And to me, again, it kind of goes back to some of these other guys. Like he right now, he is so cheap and being able to do that cheaply, like that is a that is a plus one for the Rams. And so for me, that was that's a no-brainer keeping him on the roster. Yeah, I, I don't think you cut bait right now. I th- think that would be silly. You know, I mean if if it doesn't if it doesn't work out this year, if he just can't stay on the field even for those twenty to twenty-five snaps. Uh, then okay, you know you you reevaluate that that after the year. But look, they they used a third round pick on this guy, and and his when his talent his talent is obvious. Uh, and and if he can stay on the field even for that limited amount of time, like you said, he's he's going to be a force, and he's he's going to be worth it. Doesn't have to be a full time player. Uh, and none of these guys are, are full time. Not even Aaron Donald is out there for every snap on defense. It's about maximizing what you can get out of this, some of these guys. Unfortunately, with Terrell Lewis. That that maximum might be less than than some other people, but it doesn't make him invaluable, uh, or you know, it doesn't make him less valuable. Uh, you know, when when you take it on a snap by snap basis, you you can put him out there in, in passing situations on third downs or or whatever it may be when when you you know need a pass rush, uh, and and you know even if it's not seventy five percent of the snaps, that's fine. Uh, just, you know, see what he can do out there. And, and if it doesn't work out after this year, Hey, you gave it a shot. You gave it, you gave it two full years and it just didn't work out, but, but to cut bait after this year, uh, you look, I, I have reservations too. I, I don't, I don't know how that's going to go. I don't know whether he can even, you know, be a, be a 25 snap guy for, for 17 games. Um, but I, I think it's worth a shot. So yeah, I I I was surprised to to see his name even being bandied about as as a as a possible cut. So um, let, let's move inside uh, Jordan because you, you'd asked me about uh, surprises in in other positions. Um, I don't know whether I was surprised. I was disappointed for Micah Kaiser. Um, I've I've been uh, I've been a Micah Kaiser guy. 
just in terms of from from his draft. I liked what he represented. I liked who he was. I liked his potential uh, as a player. I think he's a very very smart guy, and uh, I, I saw that. I guess that's what I. What what you know kind of strung me along is like I saw the potential of him and and how that he could uh, uh, fit in there. And uh, on the other hand, Jordan, I understand. I, I understand uh, you know that that position, that inside linebacker position. They only ended up keeping four with Kenny Young, Troy Reader, Ernest Jones, and Traven Howard. I would say when you look at a guy like Justin Hollins, also I know in in Denver he played inside. Uh, and then that was one of the things when the when the Rams brought him in was that he had that versatility uh, to to go inside outside too. I don't necessarily think they're looking to make him into that hybrid player, but he's like so tall, Rich. It's funny because last year we were like, oh yeah, Justin Hollins, but we we didn't have like much access to practice. Right. <laughs> now that I've been to training camp, I was like. Oh my God, this dude is so tall. Why would I think he would play on the inside? Right, yeah. <laughs> He's like so He's six tall. Five. He's listed at 6'5". Like, yeah. This dude is huge. I was yeah. like, oh my God, you put him in the middle and it's like basically like, who are you matching him up against? Like Brock freaking Osweiler. <laughs> like this dude is freaking huge. Yeah. Like, hey, Justin, we need you to disrupt a throwing lane. Just go stand right. there. <laughs> like, <laughs> right, right, right. This dude is so tall. Like, so anyway, continue. Yeah, but yeah, yeah. But, you know, I was just looking at, I, I, I'm sure that didn't help, you know, when, when you look at it. Uh, <laughs> uh, but, and the other thing is Ernest Jones. And, uh, you know, I, I think that, that, that what he showed and, you know, having some watched a little bit of him in, in the preseason, uh, I, that, that guy to me looks like a, a potential future star and, uh, you know, maybe even somebody who could, who could wear that dot, uh, on, on his helmet. So, you know, again, I don't want to draw comparisons, but you know, you're always going to lean toward the, as you mentioned, Jordan, only one drafted player did not make the roster. Um, so, you know, if it's, if it's a coin flip or even if it's 60, 40, probably going to lean toward the, the, the guy who they just invested some capital in, uh, in, and in this case being Ernest Jones, I read, you know, Sean McVay's comments about, uh, you know, wanting to bring back Micah Kaiser. I don't know. That'll be an interesting one to me. Uh, whether or not a, a team grabs Micah Kaiser, uh, I certainly could see the potential for that. I haven't, mm-hmm. uh, and I, I, again, not not pot stirring. Uh, I, I haven't looked at, for instance, the LA Chargers to see what their inside linebacker uh, situation might be, or the Packers. The Packers, yeah. Yeah. So, you know, you, you could see the potential of that. But boy, I got to say, if, if the Rams could get Micah Kaiser through and, and, and bring him back, uh, I think I think that would be a win. But but at the end of the day, I, I don't I wasn't particularly surprised at, at that inside linebacker uh, rotation there. Yeah. Oh, or the Detroit Lions. Oh, yeah. Because Brad Holmes right. would have been a guy who was kind of in the mix on drafting Absolutely. him. Absolutely. That would be that'd be interesting. Well, yeah. you know, I think. I, I really felt for Micah because you start you started seeing him play more. He started the last two preseason games, um, but he was pulled pretty quickly. To me, now knowing kind of Sean's deal with with starting players again, didn't have a preseason last year, but now kind of understanding it a little bit more. Like you know, unless you were injured the entire year last year um, or most of the year last year, like probably not a great sign that you're playing. At the beginning of a preseason game, to me, it was kind of like um, putting some stuff out there on tape, uh, not just on defense, but on special teams for other teams to sort of look at. 
maybe there was a trade possibility there. Um, I don't think there was a trade possibility there, but I know that um, that's how you manufacture one or manufacture like kind of the rumors of one. So um, obviously if there was a trade possibility, it would have happened by now, but it didn't. So um, I don't think there was much of that in terms of a a real tangible thing. Um, But, you know, Micah is just such a, um, a leader and I know he's just struggled so much to just kind of stay on the field consistently last year because of those injuries. And some of it was just really freak stuff and he came back and he's healthy. Um, and so to kind of see at times, like you'd kind of see him sitting with teammates and and stuff. And he just looked like he was thinking really hard about things in terms of like, I kind of understand what's going on here. And, um, sort of that, those moments when the player starts to realize that the writing's on the wall. And I really hated that for him. I really felt for him in that regard because, um, none of these guys, I mean, it's just the nature of the business. Of course, there's nothing you can do about it, but nobody ever really deserves that. Nobody ever, you know, goes through life and says like, yeah, let's, you know, I'm going to feel like that now, you know, or I want somebody to feel like that. And I think um, Micah has been such a a vocal leader, um, really helped the team get through some tough times last year in terms of everything that was going on in the world and and really was there to support teammates and and really was someone that people um, looked up to and and do continue to look up to and rally toward. And I think that um, if you're a team that is looking for someone who's maybe going to be a more of a, a role player, linebacker, someone on special teams, someone who you know is going to come in and lead, um, he is certainly a player that you would look for on waivers. Um, and so I, I wish him well. It was not a surprise to me that he was among the cuts. I had a, a pretty solid sense that the Rams were going to keep four linebackers and only four. And then Ernest Jones, right. you just knew. I mean, right away talking to that guy, you just knew like he's in it to to keep climbing. So um and then Traven Howard looked really good coming off that injury. So I think yeah. that the writing was kind of on the wall. Um, but and then Kenny, Kenny Young and Troy Reader still have those starting positions. I think Ernest Jones gonna challenge somebody yeah. for for a starting role, you know, by the by the time the year is through. So Rich, I wanna finish up. We're not gonna get to specialists again because we already know that those have been established. Oh, man. I know. Yeah. And we we spent the entire first part talking about this, but I will say Definitely not surprised by anything pertaining to corners. They kept four last year. I figured they'd keep four this year. Terrell Burgess at safety also takes some reps working out with doing drills and warm-ups with the corners. So definitely he's going to be able to add some versatility there and will play in the nickel when Jalen Ramsey is not in the star. Um, but in terms of safety, like I, I didn't think they would keep six, but I understand why they did because I think that uh, at least one of those guys um, is, a, is a flex position for them in terms of someone they can pull up and, and push down and didn't want to subject them to waivers right away. Um, but but I'm curious to know what you thought of those guys, and, and especially um, Juju Hughes and J.R. Reed, who I thought just had tremendous preseasons. Yeah, J.R. Reed was was certainly, you know, I, I would watch the games and I would, I, I, because I'm, you know, kind of a football nerd like you, I was actually doing play-by-play. And uh, as I was taking those those play by play, I would just occasionally jot down a last name, you know, somebody who made a, a play or, or flash during a play. And then I'd kind of go back after the game and be like, wow, I wrote down Reed like three or four times. And I didn't even particularly notice at the time, like they, they obviously weren't like interceptions or anything like that. But I just went back and I wrote, wow, I wrote this guy's name down like several times. Um, so yeah, that, that one didn't really surprise me after, after having, uh, you know, watched him 
uh, a little bit. And, and obviously he's been around and, and was primarily on the, the practice squad last year. I think he got, I think he was on the active roster for, for a couple of games. So yeah. he, he bounced, uh, he bounced a little Juju bit. Juju Hughes as well. Yeah. Juju. Yeah. Was, was up for a, a bit more, I think, and probably was, was out there for, uh, some, some special team stuff. So, so certainly some familiarity there. And I, and I'm sure he will, uh, but, well, I'm sure both of them will, but but Juju in particular, I'm sure will have a huge uh, a role on on special teams. So again, that's where these guys can, you know, that that that's where you're going to make the roster is is doing that work on on special teams. So yeah, I, I guess I was you know maybe a little surprised uh, at six, but but not really, you know, and especially if uh, as we know or at least as we believe that this this defense is is going to be a, a pretty you know, close mirror of, of what, what we saw last year. Uh, and, and we know how valuable those safeties were. And, and as you said, a guy like Terrell Burgess can, uh, can move down and, and play one of those corner spots. These guys are so valuable on special teams. We didn't even mention Nick Scott, who I know, you know, is, is, you know, a guy that, that you appreciate, uh, quite a bit and well, the Rams appreciate him quite a bit too, for, for what he can do. So the, this is a group of guys who can do a lot of different things. You know, Taylor Rapp, he can, he can come down and, and play closer to the box. He can, he can do different things for you. So it's a very versatile group. And I, I really like that group. I, I like, I like the group of safeties that they, uh, that, that they uh, kept and and you know obviously then we can transition into the the, the corners I, I don't think there was uh, much of a surprise I don't know maybe the four maybe only keeping four uh, like you said even though Terrell Burgess could you know be like four and a half or 4.75 uh, if you wanted to but I, I assume Jordan knowing the versatility that Jalen Ramsey has uh, knowing how how much they like Robert Rochelle. Uh, by the way, if we I, I, the the days and the weeks run together, but but your the, the story you wrote about Jalen Ramsey in the star position uh, that 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 alone is is worth a a year's subscription to the Athletic. So uh, people, if if you haven't already joined up, uh, you should definitely sign up. I mean, any everything else that you get this year is a bonus uh, after you after you sign up to read that Jalen Ramsey story. So uh, you you should definitely do that. But but uh, and, and so I guess I'm kind of grouping these these guys together, Jordan. The, the 10 of them, uh, I, I think the, the versatility that they have and, of course, the talent uh, uh, has it make sense. So wasn't wasn't really surprised by anything there, right? Uh, I, I wasn't really surprised. I thought they'd keep five safeties. Okay. Um, but I think uh, with um, – but that was because I gave them an extra outside linebacker. Yeah. Um, but I think for me the surprise was um, – both J.R. Reed and Juju Hughes. It's not really a surprise because both of them are so talented, and I think they're up-and-coming, really promising safeties. Um, but I also still, at the same time, think one of those safety spots, the the S6, I think that is a flex spot for them. Yeah. So when I say flex spot, and I mentioned it up above earlier, I mean a spot that they believe could basically be associated to cut that player, put him on the practice squad, and then use that sort of open space to fill a, a depth need. So like if they decide they're going to need a n- another running back and they're through their COVID allowances and they're through, they've got all their guys on the roster that they need and they still need a spot, then I think that that extra DL spot and that extra safety spot, um, those are the two candidates to be cut in terms of those flex positions. But then they could always be added back later because you could now – 
uh, pull guys up and put them back down to the practice squad an unlimited amount of times. You do subject them to waivers, um, but at the same time, midseason, there's a lot less of that nonsense going on in terms of like teams claiming others and all that. So basically, it's, it's um, to me, a little more security having them on now, knowing that you might flex those two spots up and down in terms of that DL, uh, DL7 and then the, the, the S6. Right. So um, all that's to say... Uh, no, not super surprised, yeah. but somewhat. But then the corners, that didn't surprise me because I, I saw what they did last year and then how Jalen was basically like 10 cornerbacks in one. And I was like, eh, yeah, probably not going to keep more than four. I yeah. mean, I hope for health for all of these guys, but um, a couple of them have, have gone through some through some things. Darius had a ankle issue he's completely healed from, and then um, Robert Rochelle is almost all the way back from that wrist injury. But, um, yeah, promising things from both groups. Safety and corner, I think, are their deepest positions on the roster. It's really hard to find any flaws at safety for them, honestly. I mean, those guys, they do all kinds of different things, and they complement each other so well. Right. And they're they are so deep there that um, I just think that Ejiro Evero has just done a phenomenal job with that group. Um, I think it is one of their roster strengths, absolutely. And it's good because we know that in this sort of staley system that um, Raheem Morris will be running – uh, safeties are incredibly important, not just in terms of the rotational looks that they provide, but also the way that they can come in for extra defensive backs packages and sort of orbit around Jalen Ramsey. So, um, yeah, going to be interesting, Rich. And um, you guys, this is like a jumbo packed total roster episode of 11 personnel. And, um, you know, we weren't a day late, but we think it's just so we can jam pack a little bit of extra goodness in there for you. Right, Rich? Absolutely. And yeah, plenty to still talk about, of course, with the way uh, things are set up with the change of the preseason. We got, got a little bit of a gap here. The uh, Obviously, the Rams season opener will be September 12th against the Chicago Bears. So there's there's going to be a, an open weekend here. But but look, a lot's going to go on, like we said, we're, you know, as, as we're recording and as, as you guys are listening to this, you guys are going to start clearing waivers or they're going to get picked up by other teams. The practice squads will get set. I'm sure there will be other movement, obviously, with the Rams uh, having Johnny Hecker coming off the COVID list and other guys maybe going on IR. There's going to be a lot going on. And then we can maybe get into next week who that game roster is going to be, who are going to be uh, kind of the uh, the healthy scratches or who's going to be kind of uh, on the bubble there. So a lot to talk about, Jordan. And uh, I know you're going to be all over it here over, over the next uh, 10 days or so. Heading into uh, the season opener, the Rams are still going to be practicing and obviously they'll get into a normal uh, game week next week. So, of course, of course, nobody better than Jordan Rodrigue to follow along with. You can do so on Twitter, of course, at Jordan Rodrigue. But what you really, really need to do, if you haven't already, is subscribe to The Athletic, which you can do very easily at theathletic.com slash 11 personnel. And when you do that, you get Jordan's favorite thing in the entire world, which is what? A great discount. A great discount. You get a great discount. You guys, my favorite thing in the entire world, my absolute favorite thing. I love when you guys tweet this at me because it makes my day every single town time, but not as much as a great discount makes my day every single time. So make sure you subscribe to The Athletic through the 11 Personnel Podcast. You get a discount every single time you do that. You also uh, could take advantage if you're a new subscriber 
two of our 50% off special for new subscribers right now that's running through opening week of the NFL season. You guys, we are so excited to be opening almost. We're almost here. We're almost ready to talk about actual things happening in actual games. Um, in the meantime, thanks for bearing with us through all of the madness and craziness. Um, you guys, make sure you keep your eyes peeled for a Matthew Stafford story that's coming out uh, this week that I'm kind of kind of stoked about. Um, that's gonna be. I think that's gonna be a fun one. And I uh, this is this is one of those where. Um, I've been working on it for a while and I, I'm pretty thrilled. Uh, found, found some found some neat things that uh, had not yet been uh, uncovered before. So very, very excited about that. Um, and if you subscribe now, you can get a great discount before the piece comes out this week. So I um, hope you guys take advantage of that. And as always, um, we so appreciate you. Please leave us uh, ratings, leave us reviews. Again, we're going to be recording this weekly, uh, usually on Mondays. Today was obviously extenuated circumstances because of the roster release. Um, but we cannot wait to check in with you guys every week through the entire season um, and beyond. And as always, thanks for listening.